0: listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this October the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker and with me our co-host Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi Wes.
1: Hi Tom. Do you feel worthy today?
0: Do I feel worthy? My wife considers me worthy. Oh, oh! you're talking yeah. about something else, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we my, yeah. talked about this very interestingly, and it's a thought I had never really had before. Don't remember talking about it at the seminary. But there's no doubt that the Bible speaks very clearly in regard to who worthily receives the Lord's Supper. And that's found, of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Because verse 29 says, He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So... An unworthy reception of the Lord's Supper is very, very important because it can lead to consequences of sickness and death. But what crossed my mind is who are those people that are unworthy? And in taking a look at the Scripture and other things, Here's the point that we want to talk about today. There are many churches outside of Lutheranism and Roman Catholicism that do not believe that when they take the Lord's Supper, that they're receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, this came about during the time of the Reformation between Martin Luther and Zwingli, can you help us understand what their differences were on the Lord's Supper, Wes?
1: Well, their main their main difference was uh, how do you take this is my body, this is my blood. Luther said he, when Christ said is is man is that it was the real thing. Is uh, I likened it unto that old Coca Cola commercial. Coke is the real thing. Can you imagine Coke going around saying, "Our our product is representational of, of what we have out there," and Zwingli was going around saying that is means a, a symbolism and it's not a real thing.
0: Yes, well said. That it was really something that was not occurring. The real problem between Luther and Zwingli was really not on the Lord's Supper but the foundation behind the Lord's Supper, which was the two natures of Christ. Mm. How did they differ on that?
1: That one you got me on. Well, remember. Well, yeah, Swingley believed that Christ was bodily up in heaven.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that his human nature. Both of them rejected the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, But Luther continued to embrace the doctrine of the real present, arguing that Jesus is especially present in the elements of bread and wine. Zwingli, on the other hand, rejected the real presence and embraced, as you said, a memorial view, arguing that Mm. the human nature of Christ is seated at the right hand of God, the father. Therefore, in so far as Christ might be especially present in communion, he said, "It was only in the presence of His Spirit, Holy Spirit, with the Church, not physically, as Luther asserted." Now, and, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And, and therefore, Luther would say it, that uh, it's not the; it's, it's just mere words. It's not a sacrament
0: when they do it that way. Now that's really a most important point that you just made, that Luther did not recognize those churches that did not consider it to be the body and blood of Christ as celebrating the sacrament. Because it's very clear from the Bible that you need to recognize certain things we, we have a distinction. Remember, theology is the art of making distinctions. And there are so many distinctions in regard to Jesus. We talked about his two natures, human and divine. We can talk about his three offices, prophet, priest, and king. We can talk about his two states, humiliation and exaltation. And all those distinctions are correct summaries of what the Bible says about Jesus. Now, there's another distinction that we use in regard to the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And that Mm -hmm. distinction is that between valid and effective. How would we understand that distinction?
1: Well, a a valid would be that it is administered, administered uh, according to to the scriptures or according to the word of word of God. Like in, uh, we wouldn't accept, for instance, a Unitarian baptism because they don't believe in the triune God, and we would do a baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, if somebody joined us from the Unitarian Church, we would baptize them because their first one was invalid. I'll give you another example where I met my wife at Lutheran Hospital. She was a nurse. I was an orderly. And in those days, that was a number of years ago, (laughs) um, I could go into the nursery area where they had all the babies. There were no police guarding them, no nurses in there. And let's say there were 20 babies in cribs. I could have gone in and baptized every one of those babies, but that would have been an invalid baptism because part of the reason for being valid is that you need to have the permission of the parents. Mm -hmm. And I was not making a promise to bring the children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This was not an entry point into the church. So that would be an invalid. Valid baptism. What makes baptism effective? Let's say an adult, let's say he's married and his wife goes to church and she wants him to be baptized. So he goes to the pastor and asks to be baptized, but he really doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. He may even be an atheist. The baptism would be valid because it's done according to Christ's instructions, but it would not be effective because he's rejecting, because he does not have faith, the understanding of baptism. Uh, another example, let's say some kids see a baptism in church, so they go to the park and they're in a sand lot, and they bring some of their friends from the neighborhood over and they put water on top of their head and say, "I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit." that would also be an invalid baptism, not a correct one uh, do you mm-hmm. understand? do you agree with that
1: oh yeah, I agree with that and, uh, how does that play out though in the lord's Supper well and on said. the one hand you on the on the one hand you have uh, uh Churches that, that, that intentionally do not use the real words of institution or, or the meaning thereof and clearly don't believe that versus the ones that do.
0: Yes, it doesn't matter whether the words are correct or not. For example, Zwingli and Calvin, they may have even used the words, take eat this is my body, take drink, this is my blood but they interpret them to mean that the physical body and blood of Christ is not in, with, and under the bread and the wine, but through the Holy Spirit, we kind of relate to it because it's in heaven at the right hand of God. So they deny the physicalness of the body and blood in Jesus Christ. That's in the sacrament. And therefore, they don't believe in the real presence. We, we Lutherans, unlike the Roman Catholics, we don't try to explain how it happens. They believe in transubstantiation, where the substance of the bread and wine change into the substance of the body and blood. We, we don't, we don't believe that. But right. in thinking about this, I, I came to a conclusion. That the only people that would be unworthily receiving the Lord's Supper are those who receive a valid Lord's Supper but do not believe it's the body and blood of Christ. That's why we practice close or closed communion. Can you uh, can you explain that to our listeners?
1: Well, yeah. In in the Large Catechism, you know, in thinking through what you were talking about in terms of unworthy, I I took a look in the, the Confessions, and they it speaks about us being worthy or unworthy. For instance, in the Large Catechism, Luther writes, "People with such misgivings must learn the highest wisdom to realize that the sacrament does not depend on our worthiness. We are not baptized." because we are worthy or and holy, nor do we come to a confession pure and without sin. On the contrary, we come as miserable people precisely because we are unworthy. Now, here comes the the, the exception. The only exception is a person who desires no grace, no absolution, and has no intention to amend the, the sinful life. In other words, uh, you know, they... they, they they're taking a valid Lord's Supper that we give, and and it's their unbelief that uh, is undoing them.
0: Well said. And that's really critical to understand. To receive the Lord's Supper unworthily, you need to have a valid Lord's Supper going on. Supper. Right. In, in other words congregations like a number of Southern Baptists and other congregations who do not believe that they're receiving the body and blood of Christ are therefore not receiving a valid sacrament. So therefore, you can't consider them as being unworthy because it's very clear that those who are unworthy are those who are receiving a valid sacrament. In fact, Mm. the the Bible is very clear on this, and the translation out of 1 Corinthians 11 really needs to be taken a look at. Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks unworthily, and that gets people confused because none of us are worthy, but that's a bad translation. The better translation is, And even the new King James changes it. He who drinks in an unworthy manner. So it's your approach to the body and blood of Christ that makes you worthy or unworthy. What do we do before every Lord's Supper? What do we have that people go through?
1: Confession and absolution.
0: Excellent. That those who are truly repentant of their sins and become worthy if they believe that it's the true body and blood of Christ. So if you have a congregation where the congregation teaches this is not the real presence, then that's not a valid Lord's Supper. And I I think one of the best statements I, I'm at four churches right now helping out in Illinois. And uh, here's what we have in the bulletin at one of them. The Lord's Supper is celebrated in the confession and glad confidence that, as he says, our Lord gives into our mouths not only bread and wine, but his very body and blood to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins and to strengthen our union with him and with one another. Because those who eat and drink our Lord's body and blood unworthily do so to their great harm, and because Holy Communion is a confession of the faith which is confessed at this altar, any who are not yet instructed in doubt or hold a confession differing from that of this congregation and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and yet who desire to receive the sacrament are asked first to speak with the pastor. And every time somebody came to me, I would invite them to adult instruction so that they could learn the true meaning of the sacrament and not receive it unworthily.
1: You make a a point of distinction in there, too, in that announcement, the confession of the church. In the early church, uh, they believed that the altar that you took Lord's Supper at was the altar that you confessed at, and you believed what that church teaches. And thus, you know, uh, they would exclude certain ones because of their, uh, of their beliefs. Today we would look at it, what, in terms of abortion, in terms of gay marriage, in terms of various sorts of sins out there that, that, that the church of which they are okay.
0: unrepentant.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, unrepentant, good, good
0: distinction. Yeah, what I would do, I was in a congregation for 28 years in an, neighborhood that had a lot of black Christians. And so I would be baptizing uh, black children. And I would try and do it on Sundays when we didn't have communion, because a lot of their relatives would show up. And then I'd have to explain to them why they couldn't take the Lord's Supper. But finally, we went to communion every Sunday. And so here's a Technique that I use, I would meet with an individual who was not Lutheran, didn't believe in the body and blood of Christ, and let's say they were Southern Baptists, and I would use what you just said. I said, when you take the Lord's Supper in this congregation, you are saying that you agree with the doctrines that this congregation teaches. And one of the doctrines we teach is that those who do not baptize infants are false teachers. Would you agree with that? And of course, being Southern Baptist and not baptizing infants, they would say, no, I, I don't believe in infant baptism. So I would say, I still consider you to be a Christian. I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I am telling you, that when you would commune at this altar, you are publicly affirming that the church you attend is false in its views on infant baptism. Mm. So I would ask you to respect your own conscience, not commune here, but we'd be glad to talk to you more about this, as well as let's make it really clear. We do consider you to be a Christian because even in the Baptist church, you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose for your justification, and heaven is your home. But there are parameters to the Lord's Supper that you need to meet prior to receiving it, or else you will receive it unworthily and negative consequences could occur. And that usually took care of the situation.
1: let's muddy the waters a little bit. What if somebody came, a Lutheran came to your altar and said, uh, same-sex common law uh, unions or marriages are okay, and I want to commune at your table? What would you do?
0: Number one, are they a member of the church? Hmm. That's the first question. Okay, if they're they're a member of the church... There are a lot of members that have false teaching in their minds. That's why you go to church every Sunday, so you can get your head to catch up with your heart. So that's not going to be unusual. And I would take some time to talk with them, not before communion. If they're a member, I would commune them, but then start meeting with them to see whether or not they could stay as members of the church with that false teaching. And if they change their mind, then we have no problem. But if they're not a member of the church, then I would not commune them because they don't agree with the teachings of the Christian church as espoused in that congregation. And remember for us, uh, the Lutheran confessions is an accurate summary of what we believe teach and confess and therefore we would be telling them that you may have this view, but if you commune publicly here, you're saying that your view is wrong and any Christians who agree with you are false teachers.
1: I think that's well said, especially the part about take the time to sit down and and talk with them and teach with them and show them what scripture has to say. I think that makes a big, big difference.
0: Yes, they may go under what we call a kind of a short excommunication where let's say the pastor is dealing with two young people who are living together outside of marriage. Um, In talking with them, I may say you can no longer receive the Lord's Supper, but I want to continue to talk to you as we move toward the possibility of excommunication. But you need to be slow in that and make sure they understand what your church teaches and what the Bible teaches. And so you 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 need to be as kind and loving as you can, but at the same time, not at all minimizing the word of God.
1: Right, I know a pastor that, that took, uh... One couple, one member, one non-member, all the way through catechism before he discussed with them about their living together. And it was at the end of the time period that they sat there, and everybody's crying because they they come to realize that what they were doing was wrong.
0: How did he get through the Sixth Commandment, which is at the beginning? (laughs) He he taught it, and
1: they were expecting him to hit it. Hard in, in there, but he covered it, talked about it, but uh, he decided to wait till they got through with uh, with the whole uh, teaching, and then confronted them about it. And they they freely admitted that what they had done was wrong, and and uh, handsome in their sinful life.
0: So the point of this program is a lot of people think that those who commune in say Southern Baptist congregations, where they don't believe it's the body and blood of Christ, that they are unworthily receiving the body and blood. The point I'm trying to make is they are not unworthily doing that because they're not receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ.
1: Great point, yeah.
0: Something to uh, think about, and we need to deal with that more often
1: right in in my reading, it's been that way for the last uh, three, four hundred years of lutheranism we We had not recognized uh, uh, those that are symbolic in their interpretation or representational, or like I said, you know, imagine Coke saying that one time Coke is a real thing, Right I mean, Coke is representational.
0: <laughs> okay, tomorrow's long Gospel. Open Mic Friday, you may or may not heard of this, but what we're going to do is try and show you how the Roman Catholic Church is moving toward okaying abortion. I know that's going to be a shock to some of you, but that's going to be on Open Mic Friday. I'm Tom Baker, and you just listened to myself and Wes Reimnitz on who really is unworthy. And the point we're making is the only people who are unworthy are those who inappropriately are receiving the valid Lord's Supper, not those who are not receiving the Lord's Supper. Till tomorrow, God bless you.